anyone can jump in on. Um, what was the best part about working on Silva? Sibylla. Bruh, I'm going to say Sibylla so many times, and it's just not like syllabus. It's just not it. Sibylla. <laughs> but yeah, what was your favorite part about working on the project? Um, I guess I'll go. Uh, I really enjoyed, um, like, it, it's not often that I get to, like, do audio dramas because they're not, up, up until, like, COVID, there wasn't, like, I, there wasn't, like, an influx of audio dramas anywhere, um, or if there was, I wasn't seeing them, and so it's really fun to be able to do a whole show and be able to create, like, an entire, like, visual picture in someone's head using just sound, um, and, like the the creative team on this project, like Lane and Ray, and like even the stage manager Arturo, like so fantastic to work with, and I feel like we just had a good time. Um, yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Um, the working on an audio drama was super fun for me, especially because I've been a fan of them for so long, um, and everyone involved in this project was just so wonderful and delightful to work with. I don't have like a specific like favorite or best moment because it was delightful all the way through. Yeah, I would also very much reiterate both Amelia and Ray's statements. Um, I feel like I can't really pick a favorite moment of working on it because everyone on the team was just so talented and so creative and so thoughtful in their ideas. Um, I guess like my ultimate favorite moment was like hearing the finished product, um, hearing it all come together and hearing the amazing soundscapes that Amelia crafted and the wonderful acting that Ray was able to draw out of our performers. Um, I'm sorry, I just remembered another thing that I really, really enjoyed. Um, one of our actors, Jordan, um, would, prior to, like, the start of each scene, would give commentary on his, like, audio tracks. And so he wouldn't, like, like when they were recording, he was muted, so nobody heard them. But when I went to edit and I went to listen to Find the Start, I would just hear him, like, doing, like, stand-up comedy bits and just, like, talking to me through his microphone. And it was so funny and, like, enjoyable <laughs> to, like, Yeah, to there were bits on our recording days where, you know, we were still setting up. Everyone was still making sure their test recordings were good. And I would just see him talking. And I'm like, what are you saying to Amelia? <laughs> There was so much good stuff. It was so funny what Jordan said to me. <laughs> I, I love I, that. Yeah, it was great. Maybe a blooper reel. I'm, you yeah. know what? I'm working on one. I'll, I'll drop oh one. <laughs> yes. So cool. Um, my next general question just for everyone is how have you found that working on an audio drama has been different than like a normal, normal, you know, like a theater production? Um, I tend to work in very visual mediums, whether that's film or the stage. Um, and so sort of having to translate my thoughts uh, for, for direction into, you know, a vocal performance was really interesting for me. Um, there was this one scene where I'm like, I don't know how to give this note uh, to tell you to not talk like you're looking at each other because that sounds like an insane person. So I sort of just described like how I would block it. And I'm like, does that make sense? Like, can you do it like that? And they nailed it. <laughs> yeah, they it's funny, as an actor, you always are told, or man, as a director, always told not to give line readings and to mm -hmm. be not to tell them how to say stuff. But I feel like with an audio drama, it could be hard not to do that. Yeah, I'm very much a control freak, especially in my writing. I'm like, you have to say it exactly like this. And so directing has really forced me to let go of that. Totally. 
Um, well, yeah, the, I can ask Ray some more questions now that we're here. Um, what was your experience directing this as a new work as opposed to like a previously published piece of work? Uh, like, did you find the collaboration process to be different? Yeah, I love, um, I loved the collaboration process and, you know, meeting with Lane and talking over the characters and um, having them sit in on rehearsals. Um, I've directed one new work before and the writer was very much uninvolved with it. He was just like, here you go, I trust you, like do whatever you want. Um, uh, but this was so much fun because I, the reason I do theater and film and try to make things is to connect with people um, and uh, being able to do this new work with everyone involved was really fun. Did I answer your question? Does that make sense? Did I just oh, rant for totally like a great. minute? Yeah. No, that makes so much sense. Um, adding on to that, what was it like working with actors and what did they bring to the project that surprised you, if anything? Um, they're all so talented. I wasn't expecting them to all be so good. Um, yeah, they're interpretations of their character. They just instantly got it um, and knocked it out of the park every single time. Um, it was wonderful. It was absolutely delightful. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, I have some questions for Amelia specifically. Um, did you notice that anything changed with the sound designing process when it for it being specifically an audio drama as opposed to some of your other projects? Um, I, I think there was just like some subtle changes. Like when I got brought on, like when I came in, it, it was going to be an audio drama. So I never like thought about it necessarily as not an audio drama. Um, but I think like if I was doing a, nothing, like you always, like when you come to an audio drama, you have to put more, like you have to create a soundscape in someone's head that these people are in a room and they're interacting with each other and like the environment around them. And there's a lot of things that you put in that you wouldn't in the live show. So like anything like footsteps or um, any noise that the actors would make on stage with props and stuff, you wouldn't need to do in a live show, but in an audio drama that becomes a thing. And the same thing with like panning voices to like different sides. Um, you might get a little bit of that in like a live show for like specific reasons, but in an audio drama that it becomes like fundamental to every scene to kind of create like where everybody is, what's going on, you know, doors opening and closing is like one of the biggest things you can do for like scene changes and like entrances and exits. That's like, it's hard to convey that without a door opening or closing. Um, so I think just mostly it comes down to physical sounds and like like just regular effects that would be made on stage that you wouldn't hear that you wouldn't have to design for on a live show uh, if i can interject the yeah, panning cool. voices was super cool i was not expecting it and i put on my headphones and i'm like oh this is incredible highly recommend listening to this show with headphones in it's really really cool <laughs> I nice actually, experience. speaking of that, I had some uh, interesting, <laughs> I had some interesting stuff with that because I was using these headphones and I would, um, 
I would pan something left in the editing and it would be in my right ear. And I was wearing the headphones backwards when I started editing. And it, like, I had to like remind myself like what was happening and I would like switch them. And it was just a weird experience, but the panning is fun. I enjoy trying like creating space and depth with pans and like, I don't know, it's really fun to do. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I don't know about other people. I'm not an experienced sound person. I don't know what a pan is. Can you talk about So a pan is where you basically make someone's voice sound like it's coming from a certain direction. So so whether like when you hear something that's all the way in like one headphone, like on the left or all the way in one like side on the right. And there's like a range so you can have it be like um, anywhere from the, uh, the software I use goes from zero to a hundred. Like you can go a hundred percent right or a hundred percent left and then anywhere in the middle. Um, so I played a lot around, like around a lot with if um, uh, if two people are having a conversation, it's just the two of them. One of them's they're neither of them are in one ear specifically, but one of them's a little bit more to one side, and the other one's to the other side a little bit, just to give that sense of depth. Um, anytime there's a <laughs> anytime the they're in ancient Rome and footsteps are coming in and out, there's pan involved where they'll start all the way on the like left or right at a really low volume, and as that pan increases towards the center, the volume will also come up to like give that sense of somebody walking closer. Um, and then there's a scene when there's um, I don't want to spoil I don't know the order that people are going to watch this in, but there's a scene happening in one room, and then there's another scene happening in a room with a door open. Um, and so I try to, when editing, keep the locations of like which doors were opening and where the rooms were the same. So I think Vic's office is always on the right. I could be wrong. It might be on the left, but it's always on the same side and the, the door always opens on the same side. So if they're in that room and the door's open, all the audio is going to come from that left side to give that sense like, oh, they're over there. So yeah, <laughs> panning. So cool. Learn something every day. <clears throat> That's so cool. Um, now, some questions for the playwright. Um, so, Lane, did you intend for this to be an audio drama? And what was the process like? Okay, LMAO, this is a fake question you can tell because it says, what was the process like of changing the script from a stage production to an audio drama? So let me say that again. Um, what was the process like of changing the script from a stage production to an audio drama? And did that, like... Um, were you open to that from the beginning or was it, did you have to, when you changed the formatting, was it like a really drastic change? Um, so I was open to making it an audio drama from the beginning. It was originally supposed to be a staged play, um, but obviously it's COVID-19. You can't really do all the visual theatrical elements that you would want to do with this play. Um, so changing it for an audio drama script was actually relatively easy. The most difficult part was making elements in the show that were strictly visual into more audible and auditory elements. Um, so for example, in the original play script, it was that the set slowly disintegrates as reality disintegrates. I hope that like people listen to this after um, because spoiler <laughs> alert, reality disintegrates in the show. Um, but like the set originally in the stage play like is disintegrating as John and Nate are going into different realities. Um, the whole thing with the drawer in books three and books four um, that originally was just a visual element of, you know, the desk is there and you know, you can see the desk. Um, so the major thing was taking like visual moments and rewriting lines and rewriting um, in uh, sound effect cues uh, to try to get the more visual elements across. 
Um, but it was a fun process. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what inspired you to write Sibylla? Ooh, that is a question. I know. Um, a lot of things inspired me to write Sibula. Um, so I originally started writing it for my playwriting one class last semester. Um, and I started off with the intent of I wanted to write a time travel Greek tragedy. And then I did this presentation for my Latin class um, about the Chimaean Sibyl, um, specifically about a passage from book six of the Aeneid. And basically the Sibyl prophesies and it's this really dope prophecy in which she blends the past and present and future together. And I was like, that's so dope. I wanna do that in this play. Um, so then like, that's where the prophecy element started coming in. So inspiration for Sybil was the Aeneid obviously. Um, but then I was going through a very strange and difficult time in my life at that point. Um, I was basically very lost and distraught um, because I, essentially came out during this time period. And I just felt very like dissociated from myself and dissociated from my surroundings and dissociated from the person that I was. And I just felt like I didn't have a home and I felt very lonely. And so then that's where a lot of the inspiration for like John's character came from and Nate's characters came from. Um, and then I turned to, during that time period, I turned to more classical literature. I was reading a bunch of Greek tragedies for this project I was a part of called the Warrior Bards Project. We reread Philoctetes by Sophocles. This is a whole monologue, but we reread Philoctetes by Sophocles. And I was just so struck again. I had read it in my Greek tragedies class um, last uh, spring. And I was just so struck again by the relationship between Neoptolemus and Philoctetes and Odysseus. And that was a pivotal inspiration for Nate's character was uh, Sophocles Philoctetes. So basically, this play was like inspired a lot by my own personal experience um, in which, you know, I was like kind of coming into myself during like a very distressing time of my life um, and turning to classical literature kind of like as a way to deal with that. Um, and then this play was birthed from my mind, I guess. Um, and it all flew out of me one night. Um, and now we're here. Yeah, I Amazing. feel like turning to the classics when you're in a rough time is like very much like a universal experience because like no one's ever had an original emotion so like when you're sad at 4 a.m you can pick up hamlet and bam he's also <laughs> sad at 4 a.m um, <laughs> a great tragedy when you're feeling depressed to kind of like put you in perspective a little bit right yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a universally relatable type totally. of feel yeah <laughs> Um, last but not least, what do you hope for the audience to get out of this audio drama experience? Um, I hope that when people listen to this audio drama experience, I just hope that it makes them feel less alone. And I say that in my playwright's note, and I think that that's like a very intangible thing to say, but I just hope it makes people not makes people, but I hope it helps people recognize that uh, just because tragedy exists and just because it happens to you and just because sometimes maybe you even cause the tragedy yourself mistakenly, it doesn't mean that it's the end for you. There's still a way to move on. Um, and even when you feel like you've been left for dead and you can't get up anymore, you still have to ascend and get up and get out. Um, 
to keep on moving on. Um, and I hope that people know that the memories of them will live on no matter what. Uh, that's, I guess, what I hope people get away from it. Um, if they don't, I hope they enjoy it. Um, <laughs> yes. I, hope, I hope they have a fun time listening to it. Maybe fun is the wrong word, but I hope they have a good time listening to it. That's beautiful. Thoughtful. Yes. Thoughtful time listening to it. Okay. Thoughtful time. A thinking time. Just a straight up good time. <laughs> straight vibes. Straight vibes only in Cebula. Right. Yes. Yeah, oh, wait. questions i have thank you guys so much your answers were amazing and beautiful um yeah tis all senwin yeah. care to <laughs> pop on 